0: Hello, this is Ayan from newslaundry.com, bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Thursday, the 6th of August. Listeners, before I begin, I would like to inform you that the audio quality may not be up to the mark since we are recording this podcast from home. Do bear with us while we try our best to keep you updated. India's COVID-19 tally has crossed the 19 lakh mark with more than 52,000 fresh infections reported over the last 24 hours. The death toll has climbed to 40,699 as of 8 a.m. today. India's Zydus Cadila said yesterday that its COVID-19 vaccine was found to be safe and well-tolerated in an early-stage human trial. In a regulatory filing, the company said it would now start a mid-stage trial of the vaccine, that is Zykov-D, in over 1,000 healthy adult volunteers from today to test its effectiveness. The company's chairman told Reuters last month that Zydus plans to complete late-stage trials for Zykov-D by February or March and could produce up to 100 million doses a year initially. The safety of the vaccine candidate in volunteers enrolled in the early-stage trial, who were administered doses since July 15, was endorsed by an independent data safety monitoring board. Zydus is also among the several Indian genetic drug makers that have licensing agreements with the United States-based Gilead Sciences to produce Remdesivir, the antiviral that has been approved in the country as an emergency treatment to fight the coronavirus outbreak. With a total of 1.91 million cases, India's caseload is now the third highest after the United States and Brazil. Among the states, West Bengal recorded another highest single-day spike in coronavirus cases and deaths at 2,816 and 61 respectively yesterday. This took the total count of cases to 83,800 and the death toll to 1,846 in the state. Wednesday was the fourth consecutive day of recording over 2,500 cases in the eastern state. As many as 204 people died of the disease in the same period. There were 22,992 active cases, as on Wednesday. The state has almost doubled its testing capacity in the last three weeks, while the positivity rate has jumped around three percentage points. According to the health department, 2,875 people are still in government quarantine centers and 30,201 people in home quarantine. Another 1,644 persons are in safe homes. The World Health Organization's Chief Scientist, Soumya Swaminathan said on Tuesday that India has one of the lowest coronavirus testing rates in the world. She made the observation in an online interactive session which was moderated by Telangana Minister for Information Technology and Industries, KT Ramarau. According to the Indian Council of Medical Research, samples were tested on August 3, and the total number of tests carried out in the country now stands at 2.08 crore. India's population is estimated to be around 138 crore. WHO Swaminathan added that without adequate testing, combating the coronavirus is like fighting fire blindfolded. She said that the number of tests being conducted is not sufficient if the positivity rate is above 5%. Let's move on to some national news. Relentless rains battered Mumbai yesterday. For the past two days, heavy rains and cyclonic winds reaching speeds of up to 107 km per hour have hit Mumbai and neighboring areas, disrupting suburban train and bus services and throwing normal life out of gear. Mumbai's Kolaba yesterday received the heaviest one-day rain in August since 1974. The National Human Rights Commission has ordered compensation of rupees 1 lakh each for 13 human rights activists and lawyers, including Delhi University Professor Nandini Sundar, who were falsely implicated by Chhattisgarh police for raising the issue of tribal rights violations in the Bastar region in 2016. On November 5, 2016, the Sukma police in Bastar had registered a case against the six individuals in connection with the murder of Shamnad Baghel, a resident of Nama village in Sukma district. In another development, the Delhi police are yet to return Professor Apulbanand Jha's cell phone that it had seized for an investigation on Monday. The Delhi police on Monday had quizzed the renowned Delhi University professor in connection with the communal violence that broke out in Northeast Delhi in February this year. At least 53 people had died in the violence. Apulbanand teaches at the Department of Hindi in Delhi University. He was asked by the special cell of Delhi police to appear before it in the investigation into the February riot. The professor spent five hours with the police and in the process, his phone had been seized. The Delhi Police's investigation into the Northeast Delhi violence has raised several questions in the last few weeks. There have been serious allegations against the department that show inconsistencies between their approach and the actual state of affairs. Ayush and Basant, two of our reporters, have come up with a special series that looks at these allegations in some of the cases. It is an NL Sena project which many of our readers funded entirely. Please go to our website and read all the reports to find out more on this issue. The reports are available in English as well as in Hindi. Sajad Ahmed, BJP's district vice president in Kulgam, was shot dead today in Kulgam, about 70 kilometers from Srinagar. According to officials, he was shot this morning by terrorists and was immediately rushed to a hospital in nearby Anantnag district, where he was declared brought dead. The attack comes less than 48 hours after another BJP sarpanch, Arif Ahmed, was shot at in the same area. Last month, Sheikh Wasim Bari, his father and brother were killed by terrorists in the Union Territory's Bandipur district. Bari was the BJP's district chief for Bandipur. The shootings come at the heels of one-year anniversary of bifurcation of the state of Jammu and Kashmir into the Union Territories of Jammu and Kashmir and Ladakh. The move by the Union government, which completed one year yesterday, was celebrated by the BJP members and leaders in Kashmir, while many opposition leaders are still under house arrest, and most locals without any internet or freedom of movement for a year. To mark the one-year anniversary of the bifurcation of Jammu and Kashmir, many journalists have written very relevant and gripping pieces. Ryan Nakash's piece titled, ''Betrayal and loss of credibility. Kashmir's political parties have spent a year in limbo' is a must-read. It just came out on our website. Do read it to get a real picture of what is transpiring in Kashmir, a picture many of the big media houses will not show you. What makes it possible for us to bring out these reports is our commitment as an independent news organization to you, our viewers, listeners, and readers. We completely depend on people who understand the role of independent media platforms in a healthy democracy and accordingly are ready to pay for it. We do not take any advertisements because we believe when advertisers pay, the advertisers are served. But when the public pays, the public is served. That is why we rely solely on your subscriptions to continue our work. We also have many interesting interviews, podcasts, and ground reports on our website. Do go through them and share them with others as well. If you want us to keep bringing you more of these contents, please go to our website and subscribe. We have different packages with the lowest one starting at 300 rupees a month. So, choose a pack and hit the subscribe button. Pay to keep news free. Talking of the Kashmir Valley, the Lieutenant Governor of Jammu and Kashmir, Girish Chandra Murmu, submitted his resignation yesterday, which was accepted by the President and without wasting any time, BJP leader Manoj Sinha was appointed in his place. Sources close to the former Lieutenant Governor said he had been concerned with the lack of accountability among civil servants and bringing public servants under pressure to get work done. Murmu, however, has been appointed to head one of the most important offices in the country, that is, of the Comptroller and Auditor General of India. He will be replacing Rajiv Mehrishi, a 1978 Batch IS officer of the Rajasthan Kadar, as the next CAG. India today hit out at China for making yet another attempt to raise the Kashmir issue at the United Nations Security Council. China backed an attempt by Pakistan to discuss the Kashmir issue at the UN Security Council on Wednesday, coinciding with the first anniversary of the reorganization of Jammu and Kashmir by India. However, the attempt did not succeed. In its reaction, the Ministry of External Affairs said that it firmly rejected China's interference in India's internal affairs. The fresh move by China to internationalize the Kashmir issue came at a time it is engaged in a bitter standoff with India in eastern Ladakh. Now let's listen to some international news and updates. Pharmaceutical giant Pfizer-INC and German biotech firm BioNTech SE on Wednesday said that they had signed a deal to supply Canada with an experimental coronavirus vaccine. The two companies said in a statement that the deliveries of the vaccine candidates are planned over the course of 2021, subject to clinical success and governmental approval. An ongoing research by Zhonggong Hospital of Wuhan University reported that 90% of a sample group of coronavirus-recovered patients from a prominent hospital in China's Wuhan city have reported lung damage and 5% of them are again in quarantine after testing positive for the virus. A team at the Zhongnam Hospital of Wuhan University led by Peng Zhiyong has been conducting follow-up visits with 100 recovered patients since April. The team led by Dr. Peng Jiong, director of the hospital's intensive care unit, finished its first phase of the one-year program in July. The average age of the patients in the study is 59. According to the first phase results, 90% of the patient's lungs are still in a damaged state which means their lungs ventilation and gas exchange functions have not recovered to the level of healthy people. Lebanon's cabinet declared a two-week state of emergency in the capital and handed the control of security in the city to the military. Foreign Minister Charbel Weber said that the Lebanese government has given an investigative committee probing the deadly blast four days of time to determine responsibility for the explosion. Extending his support to the Lebanese people, French President Emmanuel Macron arrived in Beirut today. Addressing the Lebanese crowds in downtown Beirut, he assured that French aid would not go to corrupt hands and he would seek a new deal with political authorities. After being greeted by crowds, Macron said, and I quote, I'll talk to all political forces to ask them for a new pact. I'm here today to propose a new political pact to them, unquote. Paris has already sent three planes carrying aid and medical supplies and the fourth is scheduled to arrive today. Now it's time for some homegrown stuff from newslaundry.com. Dear listeners, as the Lebanese capital of Beirut struggles to recover from the mass devastation, concerns have also been raised about its current political dispensation. Many observers argue that the country may head towards a political instability in the coming days. To understand the issue, read this article in Hindi on our website which is titled Asafal Mulk Ke Mohane Par Khara Lebanon. It is written by Prakash K. Ray and it came up on our website today. All our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs, and sport. Visit newsrondi.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to our YouTube channel.